0: Dear listeners, and welcome to Reformed Meditations I'm Lee, and I'm here today with a meditation Not in Hebrews, we'll be back in Hebrews soon But I am involved in a Bible quizzing league in my area And we have a pretty interesting season that's ongoing right now It's been going actually since the beginning of the year And to my knowledge, for the first time ever The League is quizzing on a selection of of Old Testament books One of which is Job Which I don't remember having ever been quizzed on before As well as Zechariah, Nehemiah, and Jonah, and Joshua At least parts from each of those books So it's been really fun to uh, revisit some of these Old Testament books And see the quizzers quiz about them Um... I could talk about that in another episode, but um, today I wanted to look at some verses at the beginning of Job, in Job 1, verses 20 through 22. Now to preface this, uh, I had been working on this before the recent Russian invasion into Ukraine with military force, and, and that's not really what this is about. I truly want to meditate on this passage, but it seems in in recent days to become maybe more of a timely consideration than it possibly had been. So, speaking of Job, we all know who Job is. In fact, he's almost sort of achieved an iconic status, you know, within Christianity, Uh, And really even in the wider culture You know, we have phrases like Oh, so-and-so has the patience of Job Blah, blah, blah Or thinking about people that have lost it all Man, it's just like Job You know, he almost has kind of become a symbol But as we consider Scripture We have to remember we're talking about real people here Real people and real events uh, In their lives and around them in the world uh, That are factored into the biblical record so, when we take time to actually read the book of Job, we have to kind of set aside some of those things that we think normally when we think about Job, and remember that this is a chronicle of one man's life, his sufferings, and by God's mercy we kind of get to see the, the curtain of heaven, so to speak, pulled back to see some of the purpose behind his sufferings, which is not something we have the benefit of in our own lives. So there are really good benefits to reading Job. So we're just going to do a little bit of that today, as we look at Job one. And I have actually I have my quiz book here, which is in ESV. So we'll be departing from the Legacy Standard Bible uh, for a week right now uh, to read this passage. So Job one verses twenty to twenty-two, and in the, the lead up to this, a series of Messengers have come to Job saying that his, his home is destroyed uh, His children are dead uh, An army of Chaldeans has formed up and made a raid against his livestock And uh, killed them all So he's lost all of his great earthly possessions uh, He was a very wealthy man before this event This trial um, at God's permission uh, to, to take away everything but his own life and, well, and the life of his wife <laughs> Because she she comes to him and, and speaks with him Later in the book as well But he keeps his his life And keeps his wife Everything else is gone And he's lost it all in one fell swoop So in verse 20 Job 1 verse 20 Then Job arose and tore his robe And shaved his head And fell on the ground and worshipped And he said Naked I came from my mother's womb And naked shall I return The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. So he starts off doing a very normal thing from his culture at the time, which is to tear his robe and shave his head. That's an image we should be familiar with if we're even a casual student of the Old Testament and even the New Testament, that people in the midst of horrific grief, uh, the death of a loved one, or the loss of something, a, a grievous loss, will tear their robe and either, either or shave their head and sit in uh, ashes. Sometimes they'll even remove the torn clothes and put on sackcloth. Uh, so there are some different variations, but it's roughly the same. This was the standard way to grieve in the ancient Near East. So he tore his robe, shaved his head, and fell to the ground. Okay, we get that too. You know, you get something horrible happens, you get weak in the knees, and you may actually tumble down or have to sit. You know, that's why sometimes when people have to deliver bad news, they'll say, You probably better be sitting down for this, right? It's that same effect. You may get a little weak in the knees. Uh, you may be overcome by the the horrible nature of this news. You better just go ahead and take a seat now, in case you were to faint or fall or or otherwise be hurt. So he falls to the ground and worships. And now this is the unexpected part because usually we would think somebody falls to the ground and weeps, uh, falls to the ground and faints, and so is unconscious or or asleep, uh, as they might have described it in, in the Old Testament. But we could actually argue here that Job has fallen on his knees not only in response to the horribleness of the news that he's gotten, but he's already beginning to worship by bowing before the Lord. So this isn't necessarily, we could argue, him falling out of grief solely out of grief, but actually falling to the ground on his knees to worship. And as I said, the surprising part here is the worship part. We don't normally think of times when we've received horrible news as a time of worship. Uh, We usually associate worship with praise, with being happy about good things that are occurring. So, When we face grief, we take our time of mourning, and then let's say it's for a sick person who is revived, who regains his or her health and returns to his or her normal life. Well, then we worship. We think about that person being in the depths of illness, maybe even close to death, depending on the situation, and then regaining their normal function, returning to their normal life. Then we praise and we remind ourselves of Christ being raised from the dead, and, and we think of all these things and we worship, and that's good, right? That's a good thing that we should do. That's very appropriate, uh, that when the bad thing turns into a good resolution by God's grace, we should worship and we should praise Him for that. But even at the moment that we receive the bad news, can we really say that our heart Turns to worship. I I find that very difficult myself. I'm sure probably you do as well. If we're if we're all honest with ourselves, but Job did right. Job is declared uh, in in Job earlier that he was a righteous man um, within his generation. Job one one says, uh, Job well, he was a man that was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. Right. Uh, that that sounds like something we would say of a Christian, at least I would hope, um, upright by God's grace, right? In, in being forgiven of our sins, God taking away our heart of stone and giving us a heart of flesh um, has the desire to turn from evil and to worship God and to seek the things that honor him. So Job is already... Filled with the grace of God he, he knows God He prays He offers sacrifices Even before the law is formally given to Moses Right, this is um, the Arguably the, the oldest book Of the Old Testament So this would be a very ancient time In comparison to even the ancient times That we consider Abraham's day Moses's day This is before even all of that so Job is objectively a righteous man And let's actually see the words of the righteous man As he worships in the midst of his grief Verse 21, and he says Naked I came from my mother's womb And naked shall I return The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away Blessed be the name of the Lord So this is a quite a perspective to have Right, and this is true of everyone You know we can think sometimes that we're so much different now than than people were back then, right? We kind of do a chronological snobbery thing. But he says something universally true here, no matter what era you live in, that you're born with nothing and you can take nothing with you when you die. So we only have a custodial relationship with our belongings well, not even our belongings but our loved ones anything that is in our stewardship our money our relationships our possessions be our houses our uh, libraries which is one of the one of the high ticket items for me name it any of it it's all been a gift from god right that's why he says the lord Gave and the Lord has taken away So we don't own these things We didn't make them Even if we worked And we should have Worked to earn the money that we have in the bank um, Worked to earn the money To buy the things that we own It's still all a gift from God And we don't deserve it And I think that's the hardest part of this message for Uh, This current generation to accept We're sinners against a holy God And we deserve none of the good things that he gives us And yet he does give good things even to the wicked We just fool ourselves into thinking That because we exist We deserve the things that we want Life isn't like that It's not designed to be like that But we have a way of twisting reality in our sinful minds So the Lord gave and the Lord has taken away Blessed be the name of the Lord And I think the the next verse is really important to understanding this In all this Job did not sin or charge God with wrong So he has He said positive things He's told what happened He's told the truth about life That he came naked from his mother's womb So he owned nothing Not even clothes the day he was born he's going to leave this world in the same condition so you come with nothing you leave with nothing everything that we have in this life is a gift from god he gave it he can take it away it's totally his right it's up to him i'm just a sinful man and blessed to have had the things that i've had as long as i've had them right so that's a very biblical uh, a solid response to something like this that's very difficult for us to come to because we're so used to our comfort we kind of have a background of even if we don't think this consciously that i've done i've done good things in my life i deserve to have the good things that i want it's an easy thought to have um, much of the world thinks that way and yet he says in the midst of all this blessed be the name of the lord so he doesn't say that God is punishing him for his sins Because that would have been wrong for him to say Right, if we believe that The saints of the Old Testament Are saved by looking forward to Christ Then his sins aren't being held against him In In terms of us in the New Covenant Those of us who have had our sins forgiven Our sins placed on Christ on the cross And removed from us we're not being punished for our sins that Christ has already paid for. That would be unjust. So Job isn't saying that. He also didn't accuse God of abandoning him in this moment. He'd be denying God's covenant love toward his people. Uh, the said that we've talked about it different times on this podcast. So he didn't accuse God of walking away from him. Because he knew the nearness of God right? He's been in fellowship with God That's why he can be called a righteous man That's why he turns against sin is because he knows uh, The sweet communion with God That a believer has He also didn't seek another God When this happened He didn't turn away from God Well, so Yahweh gave Yahweh took away So I'm done with him And I'm going to go worship Baal now He didn't do that either Because again he knows the covenant love of God He knows the goodness of God He has an understanding And he's confessed it here That everything he has is a gift from God And God can take it away And not be unjust Because he doesn't deserve it He doesn't have it by rights It's only by God's grace Now just briefly I want to flip over to the end of Job 2 as well, where Job's friends come into play We've seen Job now In the depths of his despair Right, He's gotten the horrible news uh, And yet he's worshipped But he still is in a very low state Of course, as, as anybody would be Having faced this kind of heartbreak He hasn't charged God with wrong, as it says here But he's still suffering And, and is going to suffer even more Now, let's go to Job 2, verse 11, and we'll read through the end of the chapter. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place, Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Namathite. They made an appointment together to come to show him sympathy and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw his suffering was very great. Now, the reason I bring this up is because, as we know from reading the rest of Job, that his three friends bring him some troubles along the way with some of their ideas and opinions, but at at this moment, they're a really good picture of Good friendship toward people who are suffering One thing that's interesting in this passage is that they sit with him for seven days And that's actually kind of reminiscent of the Jewish practice of sitting shiva I don't know if you've heard of this concept before, but it's kind of like a wake But it goes on for seven days where, you know, the spouse of a person who has passed away perhaps Or uh, the children, the, the family, whoever it is The, the, the most affected people uh, of a person's death Will have open visiting hours And you go and you sit with them And sometimes you talk, sometimes you don't talk But it's all about showing that you're there for, for that person And I think the fact that they sit in silence uh, is really powerful and uh, in, in good I know I tend to say dumb things at funerals I don't know why Sometimes I just want to say something But especially in the moment in, in this crisis moment that Job's in I think the silence is more helpful the, the silence and presence of people he cares about Is more helpful to him Than anything that they could have said because right? obviously we know that he is a righteous man, he knows God, his his faith is strong, he is in a time of suffering, he just needs to know he's not alone. And I think for people who are suffering, even not as grievously as Job was suffering at this, at this point, he had to be feeling alone, right? He lost his entire family, except his wife, he lost all of his possessions, he lost his employment, so to speak, you know his work of tending his livestock. Um, he most likely had people working for him, taking care of this stuff, and they were dead too. So he's lost so many people. It's at that point it's not even about the things that he lost, but he he had lost people, so many, so many people. and to have his friends come and spend time with him, even in silence. Uh, and mourn with him, uh, sitting in the dust. Right? They sat with him on the ground for seven days and seven nights, and no one speaking to him, for they saw his suffering was very great. I mean, that's not that's not a fun time, but that is a a really great picture of what it means to be a friend to someone who's suffering. It reminds me of what Paul says in Galatians 6, 2 About bearing one another's burdens You know, even if you're not in that suffering Even if you haven't ever experienced suffering like that person You don't have to have that in order to mourn with them To mourn with those who mourn Because your heart will ache with that person Because that person's heart is aching If that makes any sense You don't have to completely comprehend the reasons why your friend is grieving uh, or try to make yourself feel that same grief. We can simply feel grief because our friend is grieving. So I think at this moment in, in the book, they're a good example of friends, and they would have been much better friends to Job if they had continued to be quiet and to pray for him. And uh, so maybe that's a good a good thought for us as well, um, to be silent when we should be, and to speak clearly and graciously when we're called upon to speak. So anyway, uh, that's that's my my brief meditation on just these few verses in Job. Uh, I really like thinking more at Job's level, remembering that he was a man just like us. Uh, that he's not just an icon or a symbol, um, a cliche to throw out in conversation, but that he was real, and he had a real and true relationship with God, and he understood life, the life of the godly, truly seeing everything that he had as a gift from God that was given to him by grace, and that God is not unjust to have taken it away, but it was to be for Job's benefit uh, to have lost these things. And, and we see uh, by the end of the book that God does restore to Job the things that he had lost, which is really amazing and doesn't always happen to everyone, that every house that burns down or or every investment portfolio that gets lost in a market crash Or you can name whatever um, That doesn't always come back to you But God in his grace Gives good gifts to his children And comforts their hearts When they're in the midst of deep mourning So I hope that this Short episode has been helpful to you. If you have any feedback, you should reach out to me. You can find me on Twitter at Ref Meditations. That's at R E F Meditations on Twitter. You can also email me directly at Reformed at gmail.com. There's also a Facebook page that you should go and like. And then uh, if you look in the show notes, you've got links to all those things, plus the Bar Network website that shows the entire list of the ever growing. Podcasts joining the network, uh, you would do well to subscribe to any and all of them. Um, I'm very happy to be a member of the Bar Network and have been a member for several years. Uh, it's a great network full of really wonderful people uh, making some great podcasts. And then you should also check out the link to the Exiled House of Meme Lords and go uh, chuckle at some of the cool things they put together because as I say, the Reformation will be memed. All right, well, thank you all very much for listening. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace.